Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. If the Field Museum isn't on your summer bucket list yet, well, I think a certain dinosaur in its main hall might change that. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Nope, I'm not talking about Sue. I am talking about the Spinosaurus. This semi-aquatic creature roamed the Earth about 95 million years ago, and it was 46 feet long. That's about the length of a semi-truck, and as tall as one of the letters on the Hollywood sign. With us to discuss the newest addition to the museum is Jingmei O'Connor, a vertebrate paleontologist and associate curator of fossil reptiles at the Field Museum. So, Jingmei, I hear this is the largest predatory dinosaur ever discovered. Yeah. Um, you know, there's different metrics, obviously. If you're going to compare, for example, the thigh bone in Spinosaurus to Sue, it's bigger in Sue. But because of the... Sue being the T-Rex C- at the museum. Yeah, our T-Rex. Your Chicago's T-Rex. Chicago's T-Rex. Sorry, sorry T-Rex. I didn't realize it needed introduction. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, but of course, like, so it depends on like what element you're looking at. But because this dinosaur was most likely quadrupedal when it was on land, that kind of like tilts the animal forward and means that its head to toe length is much longer than that of something like Sue the T-Rex that's walking on on two limbs. Oh, okay. So and so this one is six feet longer. Yes. Yeah. It also has a longer skull because a lot of animals that are um, adapted for feeding in water tend to have long, narrow skulls, whereas Sue was a a bone crusher living on land that had a really big, robust skull. So, I mean, it's a male paleontologist thing where they like to be like, mine's bigger and mine's longer. And so I like I try to get away from that. I mean, they were both really like they were both enormous, terrifying predators, but adapted for different environments. So different parts of them are bigger, depending on what you're looking ah, at. Okay. So is is the Spinosaurus skeleton at the field, is it complete? It is complete, but it is a cast and it is a composite cast. So, there, so it's not all bone. None of it is bone. Oh. Yeah. So um, Spinosaurus has a really complex history where the first specimen was ever found by this German paleontologist, um, uh, named Stromer in 1912 in Egypt. And this was the first time anyone in the world had seen African dinosaurs. And so he brought back all these really cool animals, but the coolest of all, like the piece de resistance of the things he collected was Spinosaurus. And even he, even his specimen was not complete, but it still showed a bunch of really unusual characteristics for a dinosaur. So it has this sail on its back. It's the only dinosaur with a sail, kind of like this animal Dimetrodon that Ooh. like a lot of people are familiar with that is actually more closely related to humans to dinosaurs. But anyways, I digress. But these spines that form the sail are over six feet tall. And it has these jaws that look more like a crocodile. So it's just, yeah, things we've never seen before in a dinosaur. So it was like really exciting. It really captured humanity's like uh, imagination and fascination. But then in 1944, the specimen was destroyed during World War II, during the bombing of Munich, and it was lost Mm. to science and the whole world. So for like a hundred years, people still knew Spinosaurus existed. There were still photographs of the specimen and drawings that, you know, that helped keep the idea of Spinosaurus alive. Um, do we know how many had been found? How many fossils? It was basically just that one specimen. Just that one. Yeah. And wow. then starting in the 80s and 90s, like, you know, isolated teeth or little fragments that people thought probably belonged to Spinosaurus were found, but still nothing like uh, you could even say a partial skeleton. And then in 2008, uh, this really amazing paleontologist named Nizar Ibrahim went on this mission to like find a new specimen. Mm-hmm. And it's actually 
really long story that I won't get into. But if you're interested, I think you can find the story on like YouTube. You can hear him tell it, oh, which cool. is way better than my attempt. But he, well, you're doing great. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> but he manages to find another specimen that uh, as is, is about 60% complete. But they're still excavating new material from this animal. So even just in November 2022, uh, my postdoc, Matteo Fabri, who's at the Field Museum, was part of the team mm-hmm. that went back to the site and still found even more bones belonging to this individual. So our cast is the only cast in the world that has this newly found material. So it is the most complete and most scientific, oh. scientifically accurate Spinosaurus cast in the world. It's also only the second cast in existence. So well, it, it is something really special. Well, tell us about that original. What should we know? So the first, uh, the first cat, you mean the original, the first cast? The first Spinosaurus fossil. Oh, so the first Spinosaurus fossil is the one that was destroyed in World War II. Okay. Right? Okay. So, um, you know, what we had mostly then was just parts of the jaw and part of the sail. So you could see it. It was like unlike any other theropod dinosaur. Yeah. You could already see that it was um, adapted for life in or near water because it had jaws very much like a crocodile. And this enormous sail is like, like I said, no other dinosaur has it. So it was just and, and that was pretty much the only material they had or the, the main material they had for this specimen. Um, but now with the new specimen, which is far more complete, we're actually really able to look at the uh, at mo- the most important parts of the skeleton, which really help us to make a very strong hypothesis that this animal is subaquatic, like you said. Yeah. So it's an animal that is looking for food in water and no other non-avian dinosaur does this. In fact, the only dinosaurs that do it are, are bird dinosaurs like penguins right yeah so um so it's wow. really special the fact that it's this subaquatic dinosaur this guy's fascinating it is well here here's another fascinating person we got a message from our, our senior producer's nephew yusuf now he's 10 years old and from bridgeview let's listen is it really true that a spinosaurus can weigh to 10 tons and also is their brain bigger than a t-rex brain oh and also if a Spinosaurus ever attacked a T-Rex in a fight, who would win? <laughs> okay, so I said he was 10 years old, right? So you got a couple questions there. <laughs> a kids few questions. always have the best questions. You know, kids are, are so curious. They're and I feel like, like adult life kind of like beats that out of us so, so let me break those questions down for you. So, so first was, can a Spinosaurus weigh up to 10, 10 tons? So actually, a Spinosaurus weighed more like, we estimate between 13 and 22 tons. I wow. would say it's probably towards the lower end of that um, spectrum, but yeah, more than 10 tons. That's a lot. Is their brain bigger than a T-Rex brain? So as far as I know, there is no Spinosaurus specimen that preserves the brain. or Well, no dinosaur actually preserves the brain, but you need to have the part of the skull that houses the brain because that, that forms a very tight fit around the brain. So then we can use um, digital methods like CT scanning to actually look at what shape the brain would be and then make some inferences about what its abilities were. So as far as I know, only the front half and little parts of like the skull roof of a Spinosaurus have ever been found. So we don't know what Spinosaurus brain looked like. So I would say it probably wasn't proportionately bigger than a T-Rex. A T-Rex has the biggest brain of any dinosaur with yeah. the exception of birds and the dinosaurs most closely related to them. And given the habitats that Spinosaurus was in, it's 
unlikely it would need a really big brain the way T-Rex needed a big brain. But that's just, again, that's hypothesis. So I, I hope in the future we find fossils that can directly answer that Confirm question. Confirm that for us. Yeah. And, and so his final question was Spinosaurus versus T-Rex. Who would win in a fight? So I hope Yusuf is going to be okay with the fact that I'm not going to answer that because actually I'm going to be presenting about this at Dino Fest at the Field Museum this Saturday. So if Yusuf wants the answer to the question, I hope that he will have his family bring him to the Field Museum. And uh, it's going to be the presentation is going to be um, accompanied by some really awesome graphics that are done by a company called Rextooth. And the, and the artist will be there with me. His name is Ted Recklin. He does really amazing stuff. So we're going to, yeah, I don't, no spoilers, no You're spoilers. You're keeping Yusuf on his toes. <laughs> All right. So what kind of work do you do, Jingmei, as, as a dinosaur curator? What is that like day to day? You know, a day to day, like, you know, when people think about paleontologists, they imagine us like out in places like Morocco or Egypt and, you know, and, and we're digging for dinosaurs and they really romanticize what it means to be a paleontologist. Right. But I will uh, I'm going to just totally break apart that fantasy. Like most of the time I'm hunched over my computer, just like everybody <laughs> else. But uh, but working at a big museum like the Field Museum, I really have an enormous variety of tasks. Like today I was training for um, high school student volunteers who will help me process fossils in my lab throughout the summer. Oh, cool. I also have undergraduate students and graduate students that I'm having to train. We have lab meetings. I have to read through their manuscripts. Um, I have to do, you know, I help with exhibits. We help with uh, other committees throughout the museum. To There's help. a lot of research. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish there was more time for research. Research is supposed to be my primary uh, focus of my position, but yeah. really I end up having very little time for it with oh, no. all the other things I have to do. But uh, but I really love what I do. And, and now it's summertime. And so summer is the best part to be a paleontologist because this is when we actually do go out into the field and find new fossils. Yeah. How long has this plan been in the works to, to bring the Spinosaurus to the field? So this idea, I think it began like uh, la late last summer, early fall. So Matteo Fabri, my postdoc, uh, is part of the team that excavated the Spinosaurus. And so he was working uh, with the team that was creating the first cast for this ex exhibit in Hong Kong that was called the Big Eight. So it's kind of like this Big Eight of the safari, but of like an ancient safari. So mm -hmm. of course it has T-Rex, it's got Spinosaurus. And so he was showing me how beautiful this cast was. And he was like, we should get one for the Field Museum. And I was like, heck yes. So then I kind of started like whispering in ears being like, hey guys, Shouldn't we get one? Shouldn't we get one? And and uh, luckily, the Field Museum president, Julian Siggers, got re behind this idea. He got really pumped up about it. And, you know, when you have the president helping to get something to make something happen, it happens fast. Yeah. So it was about, you know, from the when we had the idea to the specimen hanging from in our, uh, you know, in our Stanley Field Hall, it was like about nine months, which is okay. incredibly fast. I mean, I don't have that much experience with big, you know, bureaucratic um, institutions like the Field Museum. I mean, I've only been here for two years, but yeah. it seems really fast and very efficient. Right. And I mean, if, if there's another one, perhaps you can do it in an even shorter time having, you know, with all that you've learned from this experience. Have Has the way we study dinosaurs evolved Oh, over time? It's, yeah. How it's, so? Well, it changes um, in multiple levels, right? One is just the technological advances mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, human society have made that then we can take these technologies and we can apply them to paleontology. Like, for example, I mentioned talking about brain size. That's only possible by through CT scanning. And CT scanning, um, for those of you who don't know, like when you put your luggage, uh, when your luggage gets checked at an airport, it's being CT scanned. It's basically three-dimensional x-rays, but this allows us to get into the internal more 
morphologies of bones or skulls to look, for example, within within a bone or look within the skull at something like the brain case or the semicircular canals, which relate to locomotion and balance and things like that. Yeah. So technological advances aside, there's also been a shift in the culture because it's been shown that you need diversity in order to like in order to push things forward, to have innovation. And previously, paleontology was dominated by white men. And now we're really starting to see a beautiful diversity of scientists. And this is bringing, you know, all sorts of wonderful new ideas that are pushing our field forward. And in fact, I would say that, like, you know, one of the most brilliant scientists right now is uh, a female scientist who's also at the Field Museum. Her name is Yasmina Veeman. And when I describe this to kids, she like, she shoots lasers at fossils. I love how pumped you are telling this story, too. You seem so proud of of the advancement. I, yeah, I am, you know, because like a science is not about the individual or their ego. Like we are all part of like I'm just one cell in an organism that is that has the goal of furthering humanity by acquiring new knowledge. Right. Yeah. So we really should support each other. That's also and I think this attitude shift is also something that's unique to the new generation of scientists. So, yeah, the, the future of science is bright. So earlier we we were talking about some activities that families and their kids can do this summer. Any quick upcoming events at the museum that you want to share that you're looking forward to? Well, absolutely. I hope everybody comes down to DinoFest. So this is this Saturday. I believe it's 11 to 2. And it's going to be our Field Museum celebration of the Spinosaurus. But it's going to be um, activities for the family that are all dinosaur focused. So I will be talking about who will win in a battle between Spinosaurus and Tyrannosaurus on, Rex. Me. Can you whisper it to me after Ooh, we get up there? Yeah, I'm going to like some signals at you. I mean, basically, it's like... It depends where they're fighting, but like, gotcha. yeah, that's that's the only spoiler. But I'm Dino Fest, we'll get the deets. Yeah, right? and there's going to be, uh, you know, a dinosaur book fair. There's going to be a dinosaur poetry reading. There's going to be lots of fun things. And my favorite, absolute favorite, is that everyone is encouraged to come in dinosaur costume. Oh, so I really hope to fantastic. see, like, yeah, a dinosaur flash mob. You know, I don't know <laughs> if you've seen these on the internet; they're hilarious. But I'm really excited about it. I love that. That is Jingmei O'Connor from the Field Museum. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Micah Yason, who edited the podcast along with Daniel Tucker. If you enjoy conversations like this, subscribe to our podcast. You can hear conversations about Chonkosaurus, the family of foxes at the zoo, and why hugging dogs is so soothing. Plus, we've also got a newsletter that lands in your inbox every morning so that you can stay up to date on the latest stories in Chicago. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.